The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Remain standing, take your Bibles, and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 9 is where we'll find our text today, continuing in this series called 2020 Vision. Having just completed a vision called the 12020, it was our goal, to believe God, to push to have 120 churches throughout the world. We were able to reach that. Actually, I think we hit 127. And uh, very thankful for the fulfillment of seeing the vision over that five years come to fruition. It's a wonderful thing to make goals and reach them. Amen. And we have now set our sights on what we're calling the one, two, three vision. Say it with me. One, two, three. Then in the next five years, every year we'll plant one church. Come on, everybody say one church a year. One church a year. Right from here in Wasilla, we'll plant one church a year. Every year we'll do two missions trips. How many missions trips? Two missions trips. And we have slated and planned to do a missions trip to the Philippines. Our church is there. I think we have about 17 churches in the Philippines. We'll go and minister to them next summer, and then we'll do one other one besides that, which we're not settled on just yet. Still got that in prayer. So one church a year, two missions trips a year, and three, three stands for 3,000 people in weekly attendance. Now that's not hard to do. Come on, somebody say 3,000 people. 3,000 people. At current growth rate, that's what we'll be hitting anyway. And we're just going to believe to get everybody saved. Before we read Luke 9 is where we're going. Luke 9. I was sitting at a, at a meeting with the builder and the architect and the banker that we were talking to. We shared the testimony about how God gave us back this 16 acres, which is nothing short of absolutely miraculous. A $4 million piece of property they gave us at, at three quarters off. We bought it for a million dollars. And it's the same property that we owned some 12 years ago. And we let go at the leading of the Lord and purchased this building. We've now outgrown this building. We're going back, and God gave us the land back. And we're building that building, and so we're sitting there. I told the whole story, the prophetic history, I'm going to call it, the prophetic history of our church in Alaska, shared with the banker, and, and he said, that's amazing. And everybody said, that's amazing. So he said, well, that's, that's God. I said, yeah, that's God. You know, banker's telling you it's God. I said, I know, I know, it's God. And everybody's told, man, that's God. That's God. We're just looking at each other like that's God. Everybody's hair is standing on end. Come on, someone say that's God. That's God. And it's this holy hush. And he says to me, well, what are your future plans? I said, it's a hostile takeover of the entire planet. He starts laughing. He starts, come on, we're here basically to bring heaven to earth. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. Luke chapter 9, going to continue in a message entitled, Vision to Release Heaven. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 37, reading from the New King James Version. If you're all there, say, "Woo!" All right, here we go. Now it happened on the next day when they came down from the mountain that a great multitude met him. 
Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him, so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Verse 40, So I implored your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation. Would you say that with me? O oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. And they were all amazed at the majesty. Everybody say the majesty. Jesus casting out devils. You thought, you thought mountains represented his majesty. Jesus casting out devils represents his majesty too. We're amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things that, which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these words sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand the saying. And it was hidden from them so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We stand amazed, God, at your majesty, at how you can take a life and heal and raise up, restore, how you can renew a person's mind. And you write their names in the Lamb's Book of Life, how you bring transformation to the lives of the young and the old alike. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come now. That you would give us living understanding. That you would move in power. That you would illuminate our hearts. Giving us even a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. We'll not stop you. will not hinder you. Let every man, every woman, every child be brought low. And you be glorified and magnified that the results of this morning's service would be far-reaching even into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. If you look on the screen, you'll see a painting. And uh, that painting is uh, done by Raphael. It was painted from 1519 to 1520. Uh, it was the last painting he ever did. And it is the uh, transfiguration. And, and if I can, there's Jesus here, my little laser pointer. You've got Moses here holding the tablets and Isaiah. And it's the, the text uh, talking of the transfiguration here in Luke is just before the one that we read. Uh, while you see here Peter and John uh, at the base here, the mountain, and then there's this scene down below. And at this center place, the centerpiece here, this bottom right, you see a, a boy and his eyes are rolled back. If you took a closer look, this is the demonized young man, his father here holding him. And the disciples have not been able to cast out the devil. And here you see a, a, a religious leader holding a book. It's a picture of the theological argument they're having while this boy stands tormented. It's a picture of 
heaven and earth, the glory of God on the mountain and the difficulty in the valley. A stark contrast between heaven and earth. A prophetic picture, I believe, of the church. You say, what do you mean by that? In many places, God's manifesting His power like we've never seen before. And I proclaim to you, along with the voice of many others, that there is a greater outpouring that we have, we have not yet seen what God will do, even in our nation. There's a remnant of people that are rising. There's prayer, there's incense, bowls are being filled. There's going to come a great outpouring of the Spirit. And I believe we're really in the beginning stages of that. And that which can be shaken will be shaken, so that what remains is of Him. But what's scary to me, what's sad, I should say, is that here at the base of the mountain where the disciples can't cast out the devil, the, oh, little faith and faithless and perverse generation not able to cast out the devil, and they're having some theological teaching there why this boy suffers tormented. We live in two worlds. You need to settle it, understand it, know it. We live in two worlds. We're, we're seated in heavenly places, says Ephesians, but yet we're here on the earth. We're here on the earth, yet we're in Christ. Now, where's Christ now? He's seated at the right hand of majesty. You're in him. He's in you. You live here, but you also have a heavenly abode. Colossians 1 and 13 reads this. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. So before you received Jesus, before you repented of your sin and believed on Jesus, that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave, you were in darkness. And But the moment you prayed and believed and believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, you were translated out of darkness and put into his kingdom, but you still have two feet here on the earth. Now, if, that's, if you've not been translated yet, we can help you by the end of this service. You need to come out of darkness into his kingdom. And so there's a duality, if you will, of our existence. And this hideous picture here. And in Mark 9 tells the same story. You see, even a clear relief of demon power, what it attempts to do. The little boy became possessed even when he was a child. He said, innocent little boy. Well, children are not innocent, and if you do believe that, it's probably because you haven't had any yet. <laughs> but the destruction of the innocent is real. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does it to children, he does it to youth, he does it to young adults, he does it to adults. He'll do it to anybody that gives him access. It's a picture of our world in which the church seems so powerless. But I'm venture to tell you and proclaim and declare to you that we are not without power. We have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Matthew talks about the theological dispute that the crowds are having and all this confusion of theology. That's the world in which we live. Two realities. Heaven and earth. The glory of heaven is seen on the mountain. And how many of you have notes today? You'd fill your notes in as we move along. If you don't have notes, would you raise your hand high? We'll bring that to you all the way up front here, my dear sister. You fill your notes in, if you will. Go preach it to somebody else. The glory of heaven is seen on the mountain. And the glory of heaven is seen in the valley as well. 
both of the glory of heaven is manifested. And it's seen in the setting free of this boy who's demonized. The message I have for you very clearly today is this. It's time to release heaven. It's time to release the kingdom of heaven. Come on, say it with me. It's time to release the kingdom of heaven. People in this hour are likened unto John 5. All around the pool, halt, lame, withered, waiting for the stirring of the water at a certain season where an angel would come down and stir the water. I have news for you. God does have angels. They are messengers, ministers of healing, even flames of fire. They come to help and assist on the heirs of salvation. But God is looking for somebody to stir through, flow through. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And the disciples here, they couldn't pull it off. And we see a, a really a remarkable uh, two points that Jesus makes. Oh, faithless and perverse generation. I want to teach you today, just for a brief moment, about how to release the kingdom of heaven. How to release the kingdom of heaven. The first thing is commit your life to Jesus. That's the first thing. You've got to give your heart to Jesus. You've got to get right with God. You've got to repent of your sin. That's the very first thing. If you don't have heaven in you, how are you supposed to release heaven on the outside if he's not on the inside? Commit your life to Jesus. Does your life revolve around you? Or does it revolve around the Lord? There's no value of trying to bring heaven to earth if you don't have Christ on the inside of you. Listen, religious knowledge. And in that painting and in Matthew, it talks about that, this theological argument. Religious knowledge will never deliver the demonized. Let me say that again. Religious knowledge will never deliver the demonized. I say it this way also. You can't teach demons. They, they're not good students. You commit your life to him. You live for him with every chamber of your heart. That's the first thing. How to release heaven. How to release the kingdom of God. How to, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God are synonymous. It's the same thing. The kingdom of God is at hand. How to release his kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is not just salvation. It's salvation, healing, deliverance, wholeness, sozo. It's all of it. It's everything. Come on, some of you need to get your finances saved. Hello. I mean, need your body healed. God, Jesus does it all. Amen. So commit your life to Jesus. But these two things you find in verse 41. Verse 41 of the text we read, Luke 9, verse 41. Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? He gives us two keys of why the devil was not cast out of this poor boy. The only son of a father. Which to me is also a prophetic picture because God says in his word, in the book of Malachi, in the last days, he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, lest he strike the earth with a curse. And all around the world, you see fathers being raised up. Oh, I know I've heard, you've heard it, I've heard it. It's a fatherless generation. Well, I beg to differ. I see men rising. I see men of God declaring the truth, living holy, righteous before him. Men of prayer, men of the word, men that are taking care of their wives. Men that are being good fathers. I didn't know how to do any of that, but I've learned. I'm still learning. Anybody else still learning? 
Jesus, help us right now. Come on, fellas. And so you see this father bringing this, his only boy. He's desperate. And that is the hour that we live in. And they come to the disciples, and the disciples have no power to break the devil off of this only son. Powerless Christianity needs to leave. In fact, that's an oxymoron. Christianity and powerlessness. They're not even, they don't even go together. Normal Christianity sees healing, miracles, signs, wonders, joy, hope, strength. <laughs> if you're depressed, you can have joy. If you're sick, you can be healed. If you're oppressed, you can be set free. If you have a broken heart, he came to heal the brokenhearted. And so the disciples can't break the devil off of this young boy. Jesus finds out as his father's pleading with him, and he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. So he straight rebukes him. He's like, what? What's wrong with you guys? Bunch of faithless, perverse. Jeez. Lord, help Two things. How to release heaven. One, commit your life to Jesus. Two, be full of faith. Listen, your faith matters. My faith matters. The comparative texts here, Mark 9 and Matthew 17, all tell this of the same event. With the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 22, is fascinating. A greater emphasis of faith is expressed here. Mark 9, 22, look at this now. But if you can do anything, take pity on us. Help us. And verse 23 says, if I can do anything. Look, let me, let me, let me make it plain. Leave the scripture up. How many of you believe God can do anything? I think everybody here believes that God can do anything. Not everybody knows that he's willing and he is willing. So the guy says, um, if, you can, if you can do anything. And Jesus says, if you can. He's totally in shock. He's in shock. Jesus, if you can do anything, can you please have pity on us, have mercy, and set my son free? And Jesus says, if you can. In other words, dude, I'm God. What are you talking about? That's what he's saying. If you can, Jesus said. And then he says this. And I don't like this scripture too much. Everything is possible to the one who believes. Say it with me. Everything is possible to the one who believes. Now, I'll tell you why I don't like that so much. I don't like it so much because it puts responsibility on me. It puts responsibility on you. So let me ask you this question. Jesus says, if you can, he's in shock because, of course, he can do anything. And then he says... Every, everything is possible to the one who believes. So he's asking the man, do you believe? And if he was able to believe, then his boy could be set free. We don't like that because it makes us responsible for breakthrough. It makes us responsible for miracles. It makes us responsible. Oh, by the grace of God, don't get me wrong. I understand if he wasn't crucified, if he didn't rise from the grave. Don't, don't, I'm not talking about some power you have in your mind. Anybody tries to sell you a bunch of bunk like that, you ought to just turn. The power of the mind, all of that secular humanism, it's 
the problem with it, walking on coals and all of the power that you have as a human being, I'll tell you the problem with it. It doesn't acknowledge Jesus, and therefore it's demonic. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh and give glory to God, and it gives glory to itself, is straight from hell. So I don't care if somebody could walk over coals and their nylons don't burn or whatever stupid stuff that they can do. You say, is that possible? Yeah, there is devil power. Hello. Jesus says, if you can. He's in shock that he's even wondering if he can do it. And then he says, everything is possible for him who believes. Let me ask you, what are you believing for? What are you believing for? He said, well, uh, 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 what are you believing for? Ask yourself, what are you believing for? What miracles are you believing to take place in your life? And if you're not believing for things, that might just limit God's release of his kingdom in your life. Thank you. Where was that? Somebody said I had a good word. Amen. God bless you, sister. Praise God. You're so faithful. It is a good word. It's an uncomfortable word. But, it, but it's true. Only believe makes us responsible. Jesus said the issue is not whether I can do it, but whether you can believe. That's what he says. The issue is not whether God can do miracles for you. Oh, he can. Can you believe for them? That's the question. And the father said, oh, help my unbelief. And I have certainly felt like the father. Oh, I can believe, but uh, Lord, help my unbelief. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What are you believing for? God can do awesome things beyond anything you've imagined exceedingly abundant above or beyond all that you can think. He can do it for you. Hallelujah. Matthew 17 says, nothing will be impossible for you. I want you to say that nothing will be impossible for me. Nothing will be impossible. In the will of God, nothing is impossible for you. So you have to learn to believe. And, and, and it, it matters what you believe. Come on. I believe I can fly. No, you can't. You can't fly. You can try to believe you can fly. But you, you're not. You will drop like a rock. It's all dependent upon what the Word of God says. He, he stands over His Word to see it perform. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word. So you can, I believe I can fly. Don't raise your hand if you believe you can fly. All right. Recognize we all have faith. In the Greek, it's pistis is the word. It's faith, it's trust, it's belief. It's, it's all, all wrapped up in that one word, pistis. You exhibited faith when you came to church today in that you had faith. Nobody would cross over the yellow line and hit you while you were driving. That's in exhibiting, exhibiting faith. You came in and sat down on the chair and had faith. You probably never even thought about it, that the chair would hold you up. I've broken chairs before. It's, it's what you have faith in. It's what you have faith in. And write in your notes. Have faith in God's goodness, in his goodness. Look, God is a good God. God, good. Devil, yes. You got to settle it that God is good. He's a good, he's a good, good father. He's a good father. Yeah, he's a good God. Have faith in his goodness. Have faith in his power. Come on, the Apostle Paul said, I've not come with the eloquence of man, but the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. So much in our culture, especially in America, we've got people coming with a three-point sermon and some flashy lights and smoke, and they don't have no power, but they have lots of eloquence. 
wisdom of man. Throw them in a situation where there's a devil, and that'd be an ugly scenario right there. We might be surprised at actually who had the devil. Hello. There's religious devils. Amen. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Have faith in his goodness. Have faith in his power. Have faith in his love. He is love. God is love. Come on, he's not a child abuser. He's not trying to hold something back from you. He's trying to bless you. Have faith in his ability. Have faith in his availability. Wow. Hear the word of God. Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, I use this illustration. Somebody told me it really helped him, so I'm going to use it again. If you were to take a, a, an aboriginal person out of Australia, let's say, who's never been in the city, never seen any lights, never seen any cars, never seen anything like that, and you were pluck that person out of their culture and drop them on Bleecker Street in Lower Manhattan, and you put them on the corner and then you leave them there, what do you think that would be like? That aboriginal person would be Freaking out, I'm sure. Confused. I mean, horns and people wearing clothes and, and these giant stone mountains with windows, except they don't even know what a window is. I mean, it would be overwhelming to see the Stone Age guy in the middle of the Manhattan on the Lower East Side. He would be totally freaked out. Listen, that is the way it is when, when you get saved. You're placed in a whole other kingdom. You have to learn how to walk. Learn how to talk. Learn how to pray. Learn how to move in the dimension of his power. And, if, and it's, you know, it's all part of renewing your mind. And, and that comes by hearing. Faith comes in hearing the word of God. Now, somebody would have to take the aboriginal guy and begin to teach him about the bus system. Teach him about what concrete is. Teach him about how to get food. Probably he'll get sick right away after he ate it. Teach him about money. Elevators. Automobiles, gas. I mean, the dude's got a lot to learn, right? And the more he learned, the more less confused he would be, and he learned how to to connect, perhaps, or function there. The same is true in your faith. You saved, but in the world, a newness of faith is grows in your life, and you learn. You learn to walk by faith. You learn to take steps of faith. Matthew talks about a mustard seed when planted becomes a tree that even birds can land in. Mustard seed faith. Let's suppose, let's suppose I'm, I'm, I'm lonely. I'm not alone. This year I don't want to be lonely, let's say. So, so I'm, my hope is that I wouldn't be lonely. So you have a hope. Faith is what you do on the way to your hope. So what do you do on the way? So I want to get rid of loneliness. Faith is what you do on your, so you take steps of faith to move out of loneliness. What does that look like? That probably means taking the hand of somebody who's in worse shape than you. Encouraging people. Being a friend. Can you say yes? Learn to sow seeds. It works in finances. It works in relationships. Seed time and harvest. Winter and summer. Cold and heat will not cease, it says in Genesis chapter 8, until the earth is done. Learn to sow seeds of faith. You're believing for a house. Your hope is I'm going to own my own home. Great. 
What's your steps of faith? Start looking for one. Work on your credit, save your money. There's steps of faith you can take. Drive around, find the area you want to live in. These are steps of faith. You're believing that God's going to use you to, to heal the sick. Well, then what do you think you ought to do? Get, build your faith by learning the word. Healing is a children's bread. By his stripes you're healed. You get some healing scriptures in you. Then the next person you run into, it's you see that needs healing. You extend your hand because these signs will follow them that believe they'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So you move in faith. And what happens? The kingdom of heaven is released. It's learning, growing, taking steps of faith. Now there's the gift of faith. Mark eleven twenty two talks about that. That's God's faith. It's perfect. He can hit you with it. You pray one thing one time, it's over. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Gift of faith. That's different. It's complete. So Jesus says, oh, you faithless and perverse generation. So he goes to cast out the devil. He's amazed at the, at the lack of faith. He can't believe that his disciples can't do it. He's in shock. He rebukes him and says, oh, you faithless, perverse generation. Faithless, we dealt with that. You've got to have faith. Your faith matters. My faith matters. Amen. Perverse. You say, well, I'm not perverse. I bet you are, <laughs> if you understand the real definition of what perverse means. It's diastropho in the Greek. It's Strong's 1294 for all you scholars out there. And it means this, to distort, to disrupt, to turn away. Wow. Perverseness means that there's truth, but it's been distorted. See, you're thinking, oh, I'm perverse. Perversity would be pornography and all of that stuff. And I think you could certainly include that. But by definition, perversity is a turning or a distortion of truth. Now, I would venture to say that every one of us, and I'm going to include myself, have struggled with distortions about the truth of the Word of God. And you have to deal with those distortions. So you could say, literally then, that you have had perversity in your life because there's been a bending. Now here's the question. Have you stayed there? You see, if you begin to build a case against the Word of God because of your experience, then you absolutely undermine and unplug. You nullify. Oh, I might preach right now. I, I might preach in a second. Let there be light. Say it with me. Let there be, let there be light. Bang, we still have it. So God's word formed the universes by faith. We understand that God framed the worlds by his mighty word, holds all things together. I mean, it's amazing, right? And yet he says to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the couldn't sees and wouldn't sees, he says, you nullify the word of God by your tradition. So literally, you are so powerful before God. Listen, water... Water has to part. When God says part, it goes, it goes hither and, and thither. King James. Water doesn't have to make a choice. It obeys. It's created. You, on the other hand, have a free will because you're made in the image of God. So when the Lord speaks to encourage you to say anything's impossible to them that believe, you're like, well, I'm not sure about that because... And you begin to reason away out of your experience, the power of God. Reason is the guillotine of your faith, ladies and gentlemen. 
If you begin to think about how oh, that's, that's impossible because the last time I did that, that didn't happen. And you just begin to talk yourself out of the power of God. Begin to talk yourself out of miracles. Begin to talk yourself out of healing the sick and setting the captives free. And what you do through your tradition and the philosophy of, the, the philosophy of, uh, of man, don't be spoiled. What is that? Uh, Colossians 2? Be a good Berean. Go look it up. Don't be spoiled by vain tradition and the philosophies of men, the rudiments of this world, and the simplicity of Christ. Simplicity of Christ. Don't be spoiled from the simplicity of Christ. Ooh. Philosophy is the way I see it. Let me define philosophy. What, is, what does it mean to be a philosopher? The way I see it is. Who really gives a fig? Fig. F-I-G. Who gives a fig? How you see it. How about how does God see it? What does God's word say about that? And if you have, if you yield to your opinion and yield to the philosophies of man and you yield to the rudiments of the world and you yield to those things of your mind and the flesh, you unplug the word of God. The only one in all of creation that can unplug the power of the word is you, me, through our rudiments and through our tradition, through our philosophy. Light doesn't have a choice. Let there be light. Bang. It was. That's it. Water part. Hither and thither. Boom. That's why it's easy to raise dead people. They don't talk back and stuff. I just understand they're really angry when they come back. Because you just pulled them out of glory, perhaps. The last thing they want to do is come back to this cesspool. Is anybody getting anything? Perversity. Many people are distorted in their view of who God is, distorted in their view of the Word of God, and as a result of their distortion, their perversion, they don't see the power of the kingdom of heaven released. So what do you do? Well, you've got to change your mind. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to get rid of perversity. You've got to get rid of distortion. You've got to come to understand and know who God is based upon the Word of God. Come to understand what the truth says. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. Memorize scripture, stand on the word, act it out. Don't be an unbelieving believer. And much of that really is an issue of attitude. Paul uses the same word on perversity in Philippians 2.14. The apostle Paul says this, do, not, do everything without complaining and arguing. Should we repent? <laughs> The Lord forgive us. Verse 15. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and a depraved. There's the, the same word. Crooked and depraved generation which you shine like stars in the universe. Listen, one of the ways you deal with your perversity is you get a hold of your attitude and you renew your mind. You change the way you think. Do all things without complaining and arguing. Hold out the word of life. How do you hold out the word of life? You live it. You speak it. You declare it. You know, we were singing the song, Pastor Alex, we'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Comes out of the Psalms. I learned long ago, it was my mother. My mother said this to me. Just say it, son. Just speak it. It's true. So I was like, not seeing any goodness. And I was in the land of the living dead. Which is very different than the land of the living. And so my mother would tell me, just say it. It was a psalm. We'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
I learned to sing my way into the truth. I learned to, listen, your mouth, you're the own prophet over your own life. Start speaking life. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Speak it. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of living. My whole family will be saved. Come on, like the jailer, my whole family will be saved. We will see an outpouring of the Spirit of God, measured second to none, that what you're doing, man can't stop. God, you're pouring out your Spirit on your sons and daughters. Oh, they're going to prophesy and dream dreams. Lord, thank you that you're healing the sick. You're setting the captives free. Thank you for our new building. I call it finished. Come on, Job says in the book of Job, decree a thing and it shall be established. The problem is many people are decreeing nonsense, lies, and perversion or distortion over their life. And you wonder why you've got no joy, you've got no peace, you've got no power, you have no authority. It's because you're broken in your thinking. You need to change. Come on. Can you say amen? Come on. <laughs> Come on, somebody shout to God. Oh, I got to hurry. I have to hurry. Renew your mind, Romans 12, 2. Turn there quickly, please. Pastor Alex, would you come and make heaven come out of the piano? Hey, praise God. The devil's nervous. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, chapter 12. I beseech thee therefore, brethren, verse 1, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Same word for your reasonable act of worship or service. Service and worship are the same. Lutoro in the Greek is the same word. Worship and service are the same word. You can meditate on that when you go home. It's not just singing. It's doing and, and living for him. Here's what the apostle Paul is saying. And then he goes on to say, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The first part I beseech you, therefore, brethren, in view of God's mercies. In other words, he's saying, considering what Jesus has done, that he died on a cross and rose again from the grave for you, the reasonable thing you should do is be a living sacrifice to him. Reasonable. Everybody say reasonable. It's a logical, reasonable thing. You make an agreement with an employer. You're going to work 50 hours a week, and you're going to get a salary for that job. And so you show up on time. You work hard. You do your task that you have and after two weeks or whatever the pay period is you go and you collect your paycheck you made an agreement I make such and such amount of money I work this amount of time I go I get my check right reasonable thing is that they would pay you the check that's the deal when you think about what Jesus has done for you the reasonable way to live then is to understand that he purchased you that your life is not your own and to be to, to give your whole heart to and live for him every chamber of your heart. And then he goes on to say, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Metamorpho, again in the Greek. Metamorphosis. Ever heard of that? Caterpillars go through the process, the scientific process of metamorphosis and become butterflies. Jesus comes to live inside your heart as you invite him and, and, and repent and believe. You still have your mind. Your mind needs to be renewed. 
you got to get rid of the perversity. you got to learn to stand on His Word. Learn to think His Word. We're talking about releasing heaven, having a vision to release. It's time. It's time to release heaven in our community. And you don't have to be some kooky, fruit-looping, hooping, hollering. That might happen. Just listen, just be supernaturally natural. Don't try to be anybody like anybody else. Oh, back to your notes. Sacrifice. Here in the midst of the victory, Jesus talks about his death and resurrection. What's the point? If you're going to bring heaven, you're going to have to focus on the fact that it's not about you, it's about him. You need to decrease, he needs to increase. You want to release the kingdom of God? You want to have a joy-filled, blessed life? You need to decrease. He needs to increase. You need to back off of your opinion. You need to back off of of your stubborn ways. And I should say we. Anybody else being convicted besides me? Jesus triumphed through his death. I believe he knew that in the moment of this victory, he declared, he said, in order to have ongoing victory, I need to give my life as a ransom. And he declared it to his disciples there in Luke. Humility. You have power with God because he died. Listen, we can release the kingdom of God not because you look good. You're all slick. Got great hair. Did good makeup today. Because of any knowledge that you have other than the revelation that Jesus died on a cross and rose again from the grave. And that makes all of us miracle workers by the grace of God. And that ought to bring a humility to you. I always get concerned when I, I've heard like on TV and different places, the mighty evangelists. You know, then I waved my hand over him and then I prayed and I prayed and the miracle power of God... Yeah, it's too much I. Too much I in there. And me, it's just too much. I love how the Apostle Paul says, and God had mercy on us and healed him. It's different. Humility. Come on. Got to have some humility. Come on, who's the most humble person here? Just raise your hand. Where are you? All right. Nope, gotcha. All right. Denial of self. And they overcame him, talking of Satan, by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12, 11, By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved their lives not so much as to shrink from death. Don't forget the denial part. Some of you, are, you're underneath his blood, praise the Lord. You've got a testimony, but you let fear get you and you shrink back. You shrink back. Don't shrink back. Don't be afraid. Move forward. Move forward. Move forward in faith. You'll never see miracles unless you get a boldness to step out. And there's a whole valley full of broken people. You say, I don't see any broken people. That's because you might be blind to it. You ask God to give you a burden, you'll see them everywhere. They're everywhere. I can't drive around this community. It's like stop at stoplights and I look into people's cars and I see people doing drugs. I see, I see broken, hurting people. I go to Walmart maybe and I see all the cut lines going up somebody's arm. I made a deal a long time ago. I just, 
no matter what my schedule is, I'm, how many of you are busy? No matter what my schedule is, I see any cut lines on somebody's arm, buddy, they are getting the love of Jesus double barrel, and my schedule's going on hold. There's cutters out there. There's people that are demonized and hurting and broken. There's the wealthy too, look like they might have it together, but really lying on their bed at night. On their bed at night, with all the things you could ever want, empty, passionless, powerless, filled with anxiety, maybe stuck inside their beautiful home, agoraphobia, afraid of going out. God's called us to reach the lost. He's called us to have a vision to release the heaven in the valley. Can you say amen? Last, the last point. What is it? Let me see. Fasting and prayer. Thanks. Fasting and prayer. Jesus said, when the bridegroom grows, they will fast. It's a command. They shall fast. You know, fasting and prayer is something you need to bring into your life as a part of a discipline of a believer. Fasting and prayer. I hate fasting. I love what it does for me. I love what one preacher said. Fasting brings your heart before the burning bush of his presence. And there's certain breakthroughs that will not happen without fasting and prayer. God's calling me to some, we're always praying. We believe in prayer. I've just gotten in a lifestyle of that over decades now. It's just part of what we do. We get up in the morning and pray. I don't care what my flesh is feeling like. Get up. If you don't have a vision that gets you up, wipe sleep from your eyes, you need another vision. If you don't have passion that gets you up in the morning to seek after him, you got to check yourself. Come on, smile at me. Smile. I believe God's calling us to some fasting. You seek the Lord. Maybe you join us. Did you get something from God today? Come on, would you stand up on your feet all across this place? Gone a little bit longer than I wanted to. Don't miss tonight. Dr. Michael Gannon going to be flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. If you've never been in a full blast Pentecostal service, well, I'd encourage you to come. Amen. But listen, Christianity is not a spectator sport. Don't come and don't don't come to rubberneck. Come to receive. Amen. <laughs> well, hallelujah. Father, we thank and praise you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not right with God. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. Or you want to make a recommitment to him. If that's you. You want to get right with God. For the first time, you want to make a recommitment. Pray this prayer right out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for rising again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me and hearing my prayer. Amen. Holy Spirit, I pray, touch, bless, fill right now. Put a holy boldness upon us that we would not be faithless. We would not be perverse. We would move in a dimension of your power and the authority that comes from the Word of God. Knowing who we are and who you are. Lord spoke to me years ago said son who I am and who you are in me changes everything it changes everything 
we command demon power to be broken off of our youth, off of our schools, off of our community. We thank you for fathers and mothers that are turning towards their children. We thank you that we are not helpless and hopeless. We are the church of the living God, purchased by the very blood of the Lamb. Lord, redeemed out of every nation, tribe, and tongue. We are your people, the ecclesia of God. Lord, when we decree, when we proclaim, things change. Put a boldness on us. Put a boldness. Put a burden on your people to reach the lost. To reach the lost. We'd not be comfortable. We would be a people of self-denial. We'd pick up our cross and we'd pray and we'd fast. We'd see your kingdom released, Lord. Release heaven through us. Our Father, come on, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, let me bless you. Lift your hands. Last thing Jesus did on the earth is he ascended. He reached his hands out and he blessed him. I believe he prayed the high priestly blessing found in Numbers, which is this. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, O God. Be gracious to us. Keep us and give us peace. In Jesus' precious name, amen. We'll hope to see you tonight. God bless you. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.